Bose is the presenting partner of Beyond the Grid. That's because Bose QuietComfort 35.2 goes beyond what you would expect from a pair of headphones. Just flip the switch to experience the industry-leading active noise reduction feature and all distractions of the world around you fade away, allowing you to focus fully on what matters to you. Hi, I'm Esteban Ocon, and you are listening to Beyond the Grid. Welcome everyone, TC here. Another week, another episode of Beyond the Grid. And this time, I'm chatting to one of the sport's young guns. He's only been in Formula One for a couple of years, but he's got one hell of a story to tell. I'm talking, of course, about Esteban Ocon. The 21-year-old is blazing a trail with Force India this season, but as interesting as anything he's doing on track is his backstory, how he got into Formula One and the sacrifices his family made to finance his junior career are both humbling and uplifting. It's a tale of sacrifice and perseverance and one that I think will be a bit of an eye-opener. We chatted at the end of a busy day at the track, but Esteban was still full of beans when we caught up in, of all places, the back of the F1 motorhome. Take a listen. Esteban, welcome to Beyond the Grid. Thank you very um, much. Great pleasure to be speaking to you and mad to think that at Spa this year, you're celebrating two years in Formula One. Two years. I mean, yeah. time flies, doesn't it? How crazy that is, huh? Yeah. I feel old already. Can you remember honest. that debut like it was oh, yesterday? Yeah, well, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I will remember it forever. You know, first time being on the grid. Uh, with all the big guys and the big cars and yeah, dream coming true, you know, all those years of work, hard work and yeah, you just, uh, you just getting there, it was a dream of a, of, a, of a little kid and being on the grid, you know, it's just awesome. How has F1 changed you in these two years, do you think? Or are you still the same guy? It didn't change me. Um, I'm still the same guy, I still see the same friends, I still see my family of course, you know, I'm uh, a lot more away than I was previously. Um, but nothing has changed, no. I still, I still feel like, yeah, I'm on a go-kart track racing to, to be the best and, and that's it. Have your attitudes to motor racing changed, driving these fantastic cars compared to, you know, GP2 and what came before? Yeah, on that aspect for sure. Um, you, t you get experience, you race against tougher drivers, uh, you learn, you know, uh, along them. Um, and of course, you you get more mature as a as a driver uh, in there. So now for sure, I have changed my approach. I have changed many things uh, to to get better. And so far, it seems to work. You know, bosses are happy, so it's important. So has Formula One lived up to your expectations? Yes. I mean, it's as crazy as I thought it was. <laughs> is it as because it's bad, isn't it? I suppose as a kart driver, it's what you aspired to be. Yeah. You know, they say in life dangerous to meet your heroes because yes. they might disappoint you has formal you know so getting to formula one it's been your life goal yes. here you are and and it's fantastic you know it's what i've been working for uh, my whole life and to arrive here it's just uh, just great of course when you arrive and you race you race against your heroes is a bit different they are not your heroes anymore uh, but they are of course you respect them and i do respect all the drivers i have a lot of respect for everyone you know, arriving in Formula One is not easy and I think everyone's very talented here. Yours is an amazing backstory, it has to be said, because to keep you racing, your mum and dad gave up pretty much everything, didn't they? Yes, they did. They did. It was tough times. 
for sure. When I think back then and where I come from, to arrive here is it's such a, an incredible journey, really. Um, it could have go wrong, totally, uh, or good like it is now. But uh, there was more chances and everyone was betting there was a lot more chances for me and for my family to go on the wrong direction, yeah. I mean, first of all, what was Evreux in Normandy? <laughs> what Describe your hometown, your... your, your well, Evreux think? is when I'm born. First of all, how uh, was my pronunciation? Evreux. Evreux is quite oh, good. Okay. Evreux, yeah. <laughs> it's Evreux in Normandy, uh, nothing special there. Somehow there is a lot of athletes from there. Who else is uh, from? De Ousmane Dembélé. A world champion this year yeah. uh, with France. Uh, Steve Mandanda, world champion, goalie. Alexandra Lederman, she's a horse rider, Olympic champion. Um, but it's a 30,000. Oh, what's in the water? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Quite crazy. And uh, and also Pierre is from Normandy as well. So uh, we have a good uh, good region. But no, Evreux for me is is, is uh, of course where I've grown up, where I started to do go kart in in my. Uh, in front of my house on the public road. <laughs> Don't do that at home. <laughs> um, it's where I smell fuel for the first time and it's where I got my passion for racing. What triggered the passion? Was it your dad? Was it a going to watch a motorsport event? Or? Yeah, I came from my dad. My dad is a, is a mechanic. That's his base job, uh, road car mechanic. Uh, so I was not a F1 or racing fan, but I'm more fan of cars, uh, really. I'm still fan of cars and I think you know, to, for a car fan to be racing in the best cars uh, in the world, it's, it's just a fantastic and funny story, to be honest. So what was your ideal car when you were young? What did you aspire to drive or well, to own? Or? It, it always been F1. I always wanted to, to but, be but What about one. a road car? You say, you know, you were more... Yeah, yeah. but basically, so my dad has his, had his workshop downstairs. Yeah. And uh, we were living on the top floor. So the house was, was built like that. My dad built the house. Uh, it was full workshop uh, on the lower, lower floor and, and we were living on top. And every morning to go to school, uh, I was seeing my dad uh, under the car lying, doing things. And uh, he gave me a kiss, uh, black, all black, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's how I was. So I've always been growing, seeing tools and uh, seeing engine, fuel, rubber, whatever. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I was just amazed seeing a beautiful car on the street and I was just opening the mouth being small and, you know, how cool it was. Any car, I was, I was amazed, but as, as soon as it was a little sport car or something, I was just uh, yeah, crazy about it. And did you, did you dismantle cars with your dad? Did he teach you about the mechanics of cars from a young age? Um, my dad al always was saying, I want a better life for you than, than I had for me because he, he, he was alone, you know, doing all that work. And my mom was doing paperwork of the car, but my dad has worked so much in his life. It's, it's really hard to describe the, the hours he was doing when I was going to sleep. Sometimes he wasn't working all night and I, stole, I still saw him in the morning on the same thing, uh, you know, still working on the car and he didn't go to sleep in the night. So he always used to say, yeah, I want a better life for you than than I, than I had for me. Um, that's what, uh, what my family did for me. Uh, so he still teaches me the, the basics. Um, and I had to in karting, obviously. So I could be, I could be a mechanic too. And later in, in my career, I almost get back to mechanic with him because it didn't go the, the way we wanted. Um, but um, yeah, in the end, it went well. 
describe some of the sacrifice that your parents gave up. Well, they gave everything, um, everything they could. There was nothing, Which, nothing what? left. <laughs> what? I mean, obviously financial. I mean, so what yeah. happened? Did, did the house and the garage you've just described? Yeah, we are not living there anymore. So that's uh, sold. Yes, yes, that's that's sold for for racing, obviously. To finance your racing career. Yeah. So what did you live in? In a caravan. <laughs> now I, I usually don't don't like to speak about that. Okay. Um, I will I will yeah speak to you about it because you asked nicely, but. Uh, no, so usually I don't. I don't like to explain that, that story because it's been it's been very tough. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I mean to to look back at those time and and think I'm here now. It's it's quite crazy. But Esteban, can you? Well, I should just probably explain where we are. We are in a caravan of sorts. We're that's actually, not a caravan. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a truck. That's, that's we're, that's yeah, a, we're actually yeah. having a chat in Sean Bratches's office. Office, yeah. Um, which is a very plush environment to be in, obviously. Not, as you say, like the caravan you lived in. Can you just describe it? I mean, what was it? Was it like a caravan that you tow behind the car or, or was it a... Behind the truck. Behind like, the truck. like a van. It's not a truck, but it's a van. Like a, a massive sprinter, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the caravan was back there. Uh, 650 uh, meter long caravan. And how many of you were living in this caravan? So me, my mom, my dad, my dog, and all of us traveling all the way through Europe um, during during three years. Yeah, three years. That was just carting wherever the carting would take you. You would yeah. go yeah. basically like a snail. Have your whole house on your back. Exactly. Where you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was that was the thing. Um, we broke a couple engines on the van, a uh, couple gearboxes. Uh, during all those travel, we, we probably did yeah, 95,000 kilometers in those three years. It was crazy all around Europe um, with the caravan in the back. Normally, no one changed tires on caravans. We changed three sets in a caravan of tires. Can you imagine that? <laughs> There's no engine on the caravan. It's been towed, you know, so, uh, so that, was, that was insane. Was it a... I mean, you said it's tough, but was it also a, a bonding experience? Uh, did that sort of bring you closer to your mum and dad? Oh, for sure, for sure. And then, and they've been, you know, the ones supporting me and believing in me since day one. So yeah, they were. If they were not here, I would not be sitting, you know, uh, right in front of you at the moment. And you know, they also put their life on the side to help me get where I wanted. And they they believed in me while everyone else was saying, yeah, you would never managed to do it. Even uh, people of my family said, you, you guys are crazy. You know, don't, don't do that. And, uh, and they were believing it. And of course, we managed to do it in the end. Are they still involved in your career today? Yes. Or what yeah. does what do mom and dad do? Well, they're much more relaxed. My dad has <laughs> cleaner hands. Uh, it still works. He will never stop working. But are they involved um, in the management side or the No, 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 side no. They are more like, uh, like advisors, let's say. Yeah. No, no, not management side, but uh, as soon as I have a decision to take, they're helping me to take it. And you said you had a dog? Yeah, Viper. Viper, oh, man's best friend. Viper. Man's best friend, the dog. Man's best friend, yeah. So what breed was Viper? He was a Border Collie. I thought you were going to say he was a Dodge. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dodge Viper, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, he, he's, been, he's been traveling with us. So what did you say, Border Collie? Border Collie, so mm. uh, the one, you know, the cheap. 
like uh, taking the chip back into the, the thing, but he was not doing that. But he, he, he was uh, hating travels, <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Because <laughs> he's a very did... intelligent dog, so very they? intelligent, yeah. And the first day we took him back on, uh, we take him back on the track, he, he vomited everywhere because because oh, nice. uh, he was uh, he was sick of traveling. He got used to it quickly yeah. though, but yeah. uh, but now if you can believe it's three seats in front of the van. It's very small because it was an old van. It's not like the new version ones. Um, so we were all with the bags and everything because the back was full of carting tools, whatever uh, it was needed. And uh, the dog on the floor, uh, going through Italy, going through Spain, going through uh, everywhere, uh, sometimes more than 2,000 kilometers. Um, so yeah, quite crazy if you think about it. One word springs to mind during all of this. School. <laughs> yeah, school. Did, did it happen? I mean, yeah, yeah. When did you have time for it school? Di it, it didn't. My mom was uh, was very was very much pushing for it. My dad less. <laughs> but were, you, were you like um, homeschooled? Yeah, I, I did homeschooling. Um, so mom, mom was teacher. Mom was kind of teacher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we were coming back to France, I had uh, special like teachers that were, you know, um, helping me on on stuff. Uh, of course, I didn't go very far because it started to get complicated uh, very uh, early. Then I went to live in Italy. Then I went to live in, uh, in close to uh, the team I was racing for in Formula Renault. Uh, so uh, yeah, I stopped pretty early, but I had enough knowledge with uh, languages and stuff to... How many languages can you speak? Four. Yeah. So you can speak four languages fluently. That's not bad for a guy who had a sort of unusual schooling like, yeah, I've got exactly. to say, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. says the English guy opposite you who can't speak another language <laughs> but pretended yeah. to go to school yeah yeah it's but an amazing uh, thing. no I mean it was important to to get enough um, there was a choice to make you know it was oh I go to school and I do 50% school 50% uh, racing or I give it all a racing and we try and if it doesn't work well we've tried uh, or we do all in school but that was not possible that was not an option do you reflect on those times and think you missed out on a normal childhood in any way? I, mean, I didn't the, have, yeah. The, fo the football teams, yeah, the yeah. camaraderie with your friends. I stuff. didn't have, I didn't have any, any, uh, how do you say, infants? Is that how you say, like a childhood? Childhood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any, any childhood. Uh, I was very mature very early um, because I was working with all the people. Um, very, very soon my mechanic um, was my dad, but then we had the second mechanic once uh, Gravity Academy started to bring a bit of money with me. Um, so I was only with older people um, and I had to because we had a lot of weight on my shoulders uh, with a lot of pressure for me to succeed. There was no other choice than succeed. So uh, yeah, I had to realize what was going on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's the story. So to take us back to that moment at Spa when you made your debut, was there a, I mean, the, knowing a little bit more about the, the backstory, if you like, the sense of relief, satisfaction, it must have been emotional as much as anything to actually goal number one, getting to four yeah, one. Yeah, well, there's two things. First um, is as soon as I got professional, uh, that was, beginning of 2016 I got into uh, into DTM uh, and I got my first salary so first of all that was that was quite an achievement for us um, 
what did you spend your first paycheck on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you put it in the bank and save it for well, a rainy yes, day? Well, yes, I, I was spending nothing. So save it for a rainy day. S save yeah. it, yeah, save it. And as soon as I earned a bit more, I gave, uh, you know, money to my parents to help uh, build another house uh, for them. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what I did. I interrupted you very rudely, but there was two things when you, you said that one was the first paycheck. Yeah. To 2016. Was there another point you were going to make about the emotional side of achieving your goals? Yes. So, yeah, first thing that was, was to, to get to a professional level where you were getting paid. That was fantastic already. Um, it means that, you know, all the people saying that we, we will never manage to, to do that uh, were wrong. And we always believe it was wrong. So we, we trusted in, in the dream, you know, which was uh, reaching, you know, the top level of motorsport and we managed to do so. And then on top of that was to get to F1. And the second thing to get to F1 on the same year, um, which was great. Yeah, fantastic. Why do you think mom and dad had so much faith in you? Did they see something or did someone advise them? Because no. They're not racing people, so what... No, but my dad is, uh, I think he has an eye to see if somebody's talented in, in the sport. Um, I don't know how to explain so that. Sport in general? Sport or? in general, yeah. Was he an athlete himself? He was a French cycling champion. Oh, um, that's interesting. But on junior categories, so very young. But he stopped. And he got Why into did he stop? He's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's right to say in the press, but uh, because uh, to get professional, you had to doping yourself So back in the days. So that's why he stopped. Okay. Didn't, didn't want to play the game? No, no. exactly, okay. which, which I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so he just saw something. Was it your commitment? Was it your, the way you were braking, handling the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and very young, um, I was winning everything as well. Um, very young there was i mean the level i had compared to the others was was very good i have to say in the championship one year i won all the races uh, and i had the maximum amount of points and that's where that uh, gravity uh, academy and renault um, the management they they took me and they started to finance my career and after that yeah after i started to get easier a bit but uh, of course, when they are around, you know, you need to perform all the time. If not, they drop you. So that was age 14-ish? No, that was age um, 2009, 13, I think, 12, 13. 12, 13. So it's quite young to have. Very young, yeah. So yeah. you picked up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who spotted you? Was it Eric Boulier? It was Eric Boulier. It was Eric Boulier, Eric Boulier yeah. And uh, Gwen Lagrue. So you're, you've known Eric for, for a Yeah, long for a long, long time. Yes, yeah. he, he was the one picking me in the base. Yeah. yeah. Well then, so then you get some, you, the gravity thing happens, you get some momentum as you say. I mean, I'm going to fast forward if I may to 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2014. To this. Straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing how quickly, what you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 2014, look, you know, you won the, the, the F3 Euro series yeah. and nine wins and you beat Max Verstappen. Yeah. Max back then, what kind of a competitor was he? Well, I knew Max since a long time because... Uh, I was racing with him in karting already. Um, so my last year of uh, international karting race, he won the title. Uh, he won the World Series karting title and I finished second just behind him. So we had some fights there already. Then, uh, <laughs> how funny it is, we meet again in Formula 3, three years later 
how quick it goes from karting to yeah. Formula 3 in two years. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I knew how tough he is on battles, how good he is as well on pace, uh, but how, all respect to him, eh, but how sometimes inconsistent he could be uh, in a championship, like uh, sometimes like dropping and not scoring points. And, and I knew I knew that and I won less race than he did. But in the end, I, I won the title because I was always there scoring. And that, yeah, that's how, in the end, I, I managed to win the championship early on. Was he still the same beast in Formula 3 that he, he was. was in, in karting? Did yeah, he was. Did you see any change in... No. no. <laughs> but still in F1, I still see the same Max than I saw back in the days. Does he see the same Esteban? But I don't think he needs at the moment because uh, I'm, I'm not in the same league, let's say. Um, but hopefully in the future that will change. And, you know, if we can fight for the title later, I'm totally down to it. What's the camaraderie like in the junior formulas? Because I appreciate in Formula One it's difficult for you guys to hang out. But were you and Max close when you were karting? Not at all. Not at all? No. It was big, um, big fights um, between us. A lot of pressure we had as well. Because I had to, I had to win. If not, I was getting dropped by my management. You know, so I had to do good results. Um, and uh, you know, it, it brings a bad atmosphere into that. You know, and we were fighting very close, and sometimes uh, too close, and uh, like, yeah, crashing to each other in some races. And my dad and his dad were were not getting along very well, which they do now. <laughs> they do funny. now, do they? They do now. <laughs> Uh, but back then, no, it was a bit, a bit, a bit of tension, let's say. Um, but also in Formula Three, there was quite a lot of tension. Uh, but they do, they go along very well now. They, they have a laugh each time they see each other, and and we, we get along very well too. Me and Max, we, we have good relationships. So you so. get on better now in Formula I'm One. Much better, <laughs> much better. I think we are. That's crazy. Yeah, I think we are in different position now than we were back then. Back then, it was the war of who's going to succeed, you know. And now it's, it's different, you know. We are there. The only job we have to do is to perform. Um, but we are professionals already. And, you know, we are employed by teams and we are in perfect conditions. So it's totally different. Are you uh, frustrated that he is in a winning car at the moment and you're not? How, is it difficult to come to terms with no, that? No, uh, I was frustrated when... He lost the title, Formula 3, I won, and he went to F1 the following year. I was frustrated there. That was, that was tough times. Um, I had to win a second title then for people to see that, you know, I had the potential to go to Formula 1. Um, but nowadays, no. I mean, I'm in F1. Um, I know if I perform well, you know, I will be in winning car in the future. So it's all down to me. And I'm still young, so I have time. And the pressure side of Formula One, do you feel the pressure you had on you when you were karting age 12, 13 has helped you deal with the pressure you have now? Or yeah. in a funny kind of way, yeah, yeah. do you have less pressure because you... I don't have pressure anymore. What? I feel awesome now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The thing is, as soon as I got to professional level, pressure's gone. It's fantastic. The, the biggest pressure I had was the last title, the last race I won in GP3 2015. Uh, I knew if I won that title, you know, Mercedes would push for me to go to Formula One. And, and that's, that's what happened, basically. Um, and as soon as I, I got into a professional seat, 
you know, I got no pressure and everything was was good again. I mean, they say money doesn't buy happiness, but it, it, it I'm guessing when it you helps, are, right? I mean, no, you have nothing, normally not when you have nothing. And when you, you have nothing, it's sure. it's different. M money doesn't buy happiness. I agree, um, but you need a certain comfort to be able to live mm. properly that we didn't. So, yeah. So, and the mom and dad now are still living in Evreux. Yeah, yeah, they still do. But it, they've managed. They've built a house. And yeah, my dad is, but he is doing it himself. He's still doing yeah. it himself. <laughs> Crazy. He's a very talented man. He's crazy, he? but yeah, he's he's probably one of the best uh, worker. He's the best worker on everything. He can he can his hands is magic, you know. And he's one of the best mechanic I know. I don't say that because it's my dad, but to be honest, you could put him in, on the Formula One car and he would not be lost. Can we talk a little bit about Mercedes? So you mm -hmm. say that you know winning that GP3 title. Where you go, Toto Wolf. Yeah. When did he first come on your radar? Um, so first time I saw him, as funny as it is, was here, next door, here, Hockenheim. I should just say Hockenheim. Hockenheim, right. 2014, so four years ago, right here. So uh, back then I was fighting with um, with Max for the title. I didn't win yet, um, but you know I had a meeting with him. He was interested uh, to speak to me because I was, of course, with Mercedes engine in uh, in Prema, and I was leading the the, the championship. So. So first time just meeting like that. Can you remember what was said or was it just, were you just what we call chewing the cud? Were you just... Yeah, well, he, was, he wanted to speak to me. He was quite impressed with what I was doing and, you know, we had a good good chat, you know, and I was quite, uh, you know, thought, wow, Mercedes, wow. You know, I saw I saw the car, F1 car for the first time from really close, you know, uh, Mercedes car, I had the seat, the steering wheel in my hand and, and all that. Wow, amazing, you know, it was. <laughs> and... Um, no, we just had a normal chat, but I didn't know how important that chat was going to be in the future because everything was going well with Lotus. Um, I had, you know, people helping me and believing in me. And, you know, if I won the title, I was going to go to Formula 2 and everything was going to be OK. And the problem was later in the year when I won the title, um, there has been some uh, financial issues with, with, uh, with the program. So they had to, to stop the program. Uh, for me and they, I had no seat for, for that year so uh, yeah I was in a position where I was European Formula 3 champion and I had no seat for the following year until March uh, so that was that was quite uh, intense winter and that's why I said to you previously that maybe I was going to go work with my dad and I started to work with my dad again uh, in that winter yeah, yeah. as yeah, the I, European Formula 3 champion yeah, yeah I started to get ready and maybe you know I had to go work with my dad and with cars I was over you know, if nobody was helping me, we had no chance to, to drive anywhere. So I called Toto uh, in that winter. I said, listen, Toto, if, uh, if you don't have uh, an option for me or sit anywhere, um, I'll go work with my dad or I'll go McDonald's working. I have respect for people working McDonald's, but, you know, that's not what I, I wanted to achieve. So he said, I remember that forever. He said, if uh, gravity don't have a, a plan for you in the future, uh, I will take you. How crazy that is. So I said, uh, okay, thank you, Toto. And one week, two weeks, still nothing. And I was sending him a message probably every day. <laughs> he was not replying. <laughs> and one day uh, he called and said, okay, I found you a seat uh, with Fred in ART. So Fred and Toto have been key people in my career, really. 
and uh, I had a seat in, in our team GP3 and won the title. So Toto was acting as your manager? Well, they, yeah, kind of, yes, is that, is that Be, because I was basically, they said, okay, if we, uh, we take you, we put you in ART, you drive for, for ART, and if you do good, we have a look at you. So I had a pre kind of contract that they look at me from far away, you know, like a bit like George Russell in 2014, kind of the same. And they, they, yeah, they, they took the option uh, just before the race, before I won the title. So when I did the poll, they said, okay, we saw enough, we take you. I can feel the sense of relief Crazy. now. I can feel the sense. Crazy, yeah. Wow. And I meet uh, Mr. Zecce in Abu Dhabi. And Even at that stage, you met Dr. Yeah. Zecce? Awesome, huh? Amazing. Yeah, crazy. crazy. And the ties with Mercedes are as close today? Boy, it's even closer today, yeah, for sure. sure. For sure. I'm, most of the time, I'm in, I'm in uh, Brackley, I have meetings with Soto. Yeah. I was again in the motorhome this morning before going to Force India. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Is he like a father figure for you? Or well, racing yes, father, kind yeah. of, yes, racing yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. yeah. But maybe not only Toto, but the whole Mercedes family yeah. is a uh, massive help. But um, yeah, for sure, Toto was the one. For a guy who spent so much time in and around racing, have you had time to develop hobbies away from racing or interests away from racing? Can you, is there anything that yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't involve engines or. or <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, um, um, I do more now. But before, when my whole life was dedicated to to racing, so no, what I was doing was in purpose of helping the racing. You know what I mean? So I was uh, training in a way to help racing. I was uh, doing that sport for racing, and um, now, yeah, I take it a bit. You know, I do my, my training for, for racing the whole winter already, which is uh, a, lot. a lot. A lot of high altitude stuff. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah, to prepare uh, myself for the season. So I do that already. But then the rest of the season, yeah, when I go cycling or when I go uh, training with my friends, sometimes yeah, I don't think about the racing in, in the background. Um, I'm just a normal guy uh, other than, than I'm a driver. I, uh, I just enjoy, you know, having a good dinner with friends, going to the cinema, going bowling or whatever. I'm just a normal, normal. Are you good at bowling? Yeah, 100, uh, 182. Not too bad, huh? Yes. 182. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I'm still very competitive in anything. I bet though. you, I'll <laughs> bet you are you. Damn it. Damn it! Yeah, but note to self: don't go bowling with us. No, no. I think I'm gonna <laughs> we go. I go with my with my trainer. Yeah. We've done my physio. I go all so the time. So that's the kind of stuff you do just for purely Esteban Ocon, not yeah. for racing. Yeah, exactly. Just... Now, look. One other thing I want to talk to you about was your height. Oh yeah. You know, you're you're a one eighty six. You're one eighty six. That's tallest on the grid. Yeah. You are the tallest on the grid. And longer legs as well. That's it's all it's all leg, is it? So you're what we call lanky. Yeah. I remember, I think Alex Wirtz telling me he actually looked into ways to try and sort of... No, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's a myth. What can no. you do to stop growing? No, or? no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. But uh, yeah, there was times where we got scared and so oh, if I got taller than that, you know, it's over. I'm well, you're only 21. Have you stopped growing? Yeah, I stopped you growing. Have you? <laughs> I've, stopped, I've stopped growing, luckily. <laughs> but uh, no, my, my first uh, year in single-seater, I remember I had Danny Kvyat as a teammate 
and there was in the truck in the truck of uh, of the race team there was a piece of metal ahead of uh, of uh, the engineering room basically and they say yeah if you have to go down to it then you you won't be able to to race the whole, your whole career you will be too tall so each each time i was going in the truck i was watching it i was like getting closer like oh my god you know getting closer <laughs> he's a tall guy actually he's yeah but he's he's uh smaller than me is he by quite a, a lot yeah but, but how, are you comfortable in the in forcing yeah i'm really good i've been struggling to get into some cars the where is it what the knee sitting the top of the monocoque yes or? it is and right. and i have to go quite high um you have to sit quite high just yeah, to get your on legs the limit straight. of the legality really because i need to stretch my legs basically if not i'm into the chassis in the so. Force India or not? No, no, in the Force India, I'm fitting perfectly. Only that you and Checo are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no. quite a discrepancy yeah, yeah, no. there. The car is made for me there and there's no issue, zero. But um, when I jump into the, the, the Murph for the first time, um, I was struggling quite a lot. We made a lot of work since then, so I feel better into the message. Because, of course, Lewis is. Lewis and Walter and Nico, they were quite sure. small, so. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not good, it's not an advantage to be tall in F1. Well. It's probably, but it's okay. It's probably the best time to be tall. Yeah. I think 10, 15 years it ago, was much it would worse. have been much harder. Yeah, it? exactly. But I have a chance is that I'm very light. I'm 4% of fat. So, um, yeah. That's kind of marathon runner. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. But that's a chance. Because if I was normal, let's say, I would be yeah, 80 something kilos. So. Are there any negatives with having that little body fat in terms well, yeah. of do you, do you get colds and stuff yeah I get, I get sick quite easily but I sleep 12 or 14 hours a night also not the night before a race well 12 before a race yeah you sleep 12 hours <laughs> you're not nervous you don't sort of wake up early in the morning or no no 12 hours yeah and if I had a biscuit I'm so sorry I'm very rude but if I had a biscuit would you eat it yeah you would eat a biscuit oh yeah for sure I eat six times a day <laughs> so what, you eat little amounts? Ah, no, not eat. little amounts. Well, how are you no, only no, got four no. percent? Well, if I had the answer, I would, I would tell you. But you, no, it, and like in the morning, I eat like omelets, six, seven eggs, with mushroom stuff, and six or seven. I'm just, I'm just repeating. Six, for, seven eggs yeah. for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And then for lunch? Then for lunch, uh, normally you know one one chicken breast is good portion already. I have two and a half with full side of like mashed potato and stuff plus dessert every what's a dessert yeah yeah every two hours two three hours i'm absolutely gobsmacked by that it's quite crazy and i lost if you think about it i lost four and a half kilos since the beginning of the year Why? because i'm training less and traveling you i don't eat sometimes there is days where i don't i cannot eat six times a day um so yeah and so the, in the you... training period that's what i do I, I eat every two hours, two, three hours, but I cannot do that all the time in the season. So, so I lost four and a half kilo. And where's that muscle gone? Is it from your neck? Is no, it... no, the neck stays the same. I think it's, it's legs mainly. This is fascinating. So look, um, moving on, because I, I really appreciate your time. One thing we haven't discussed is your, we, we touched on the number of languages you can speak. Yeah. Obviously one of them is Spanish because Maybe not very many people know that you are half Spanish. Dad, paternal side, is that yes, right? So, exactly. so is, is dad Spanish? No, my dad is born in France. He was born in France. Okay. My grandparents 
are born in Spain. In in which bit? Malaga. In Malaga. So yeah. you still have relations in in Malaga? Well, more in Barcelona actually, because uh, my family moved to Barcelona somehow. I don't know how many years ago, uh, but I have all my cousins and everything in Barcelona, in more in um, Mollet del Vallès. Okay. Close so, to the circuit. So you have two home Grand Prix. Is that <laughs> kind of? Yeah. Kind of? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One in Spain, well, one, in w- one to be honest, Barcelona is more my home Grand Prix in a way because my family is there. In the actually there. They are there. Yeah. Don't in Porica, they are one thousand kilometers sure. away. But and they're all trying to get tickets off you. Exactly. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's difficult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, and idols when you were young. Uh, Michael. Michael Schumacher. Is yeah. You had his helmet when you were karting. Yeah, I still have his design. All his design is inspired by by him. All the side, if you look, it's all inspired by him. When or if uh, I go away from Force India, uh, I will turn back to his red. His color red? Yeah, like I started in uh, Mano. What did you admire so much about Michael Schumacher? I think he he changed the sport, you know, and uh, when I grew up, um, he was the one making me uh, loving the sport so much, his fights with Fernando back in the days, they were ama- um, amazed me, you know. Uh, when I was watching my dad the TV on, on the Sunday, it was Michael. There was no, no, nobody else than Michael, you know, I grew up with him. And uh, that red helmet, red car, um, it, it was something special. And because of that passion for Michael, do the red cars hold a, an attraction to you in Formula One? I think it does to every driver, uh, definitely. Can you explain that? Why? I don't know. It's it's something special, you know. Ferrari in F1 is uh, is mythical, but uh, I mean, Michael drove for Mercedes as well, and it's my target for the future. Have you given yourself a time scale to to start winning in Formula One? Do you have you said to yourself, I want to be winning it next year, year after? Is there a or being an impatient racing driver? It's <laughs> this race. Or? Well, let's say. Let's say uh, two and a half years, that would be good. Within the next two and a half years? Yeah. End of 2020? That would be good. <laughs> By then? Okay. Yeah. It must be, so, I can't remember when I was 21, and I'm not that old, to be honest with you, but to, to grow up in the world of motorsport like you have, can you think of a better life? No. No. Um, I think if I, if I didn't do race cars around around the world or race karting or whatever I would probably have been yeah maybe a motocross rider or something that's what I would have liked to do if if that was not the case my dad would have never let me do that but uh, but yeah that that would have been the second world I would have liked to go it's engine still engine it's still <laughs> doesn't engine. matter fuel tires yeah. there's something in there when I was a kid I used to tell my dad can I drink unleaded fuel I used to love it so much. I still love the smell. Unleaded. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, sans plomb, bon, no? Sans plomb. Oh my god. <laughs> I know what sans plomb means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. It smells so good. <laughs> Dad, can I fill up the car? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible. So, um, do you know what? Back in the sort of 90s, they had when they were really developing the fuels in Formula One. The guys in the garage used to have to wear gas masks when they Ah, were yeah, but that's different. Huh? The one in the uh, fuel station, I'm saying. The one in here uh, doesn't smell as good. Huh? That one is oh, here one hurts. Is, okay. <laughs> yes. 
so 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 it's just filling up the the the, the, the car. cars yeah but the, the car thing you were filling it up with the fuel station you know so can i drink the unloaded fuel yeah yeah gosh not I'm, pleased you, i'm pleased you didn't no <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i was like <laughs> so good <laughs> well Esteban, thank you pleasure it's been great sort of learning about you and, and where you come from and get those victories eh yeah yeah I will go keep and, pushing go and give it to Max Verstappen no no exactly reignite no, no. those old battles no my, my first goal my first dream was to get to Formula One. Yeah. my second is to be world champion I still have to fill yeah. that one up so that was Esteban Ocon what's my take home message for the boy from Normandy keep unleaded fuel away from him But what a great guy, so unassuming and amusing. A big thanks both to Esteban and Force India. Next week, we will of course be chatting to another big name from the world of F1. So please subscribe to ensure you don't miss out. And in the meantime, please rate and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and your favourite podcast app. And if you have something you want to tell us, then drop us a line using the hashtag F1BeyondTheGrid. And you can reach me on Twitter at TomClarksonF1. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audioboom. Until next time, keep it flat out.